Insurance and Injury Law Show, the number anytime, one 990 or help at the Uh Savannah, busy show today, but I know you wanted to start off um, just by uh, rewinding for a bit. Uh, we've been doing this show for several years now, and uh, Lior and the Employment Hour, we've been doing that for over half a decade. And when it all got started, there was a very ambitious and wonderful salesperson that, uh, like you guys, saw a hole in the market, saw a show that really needed to be on air, and saw the potential of where these shows could go, both this one and the Employment Hour. And that was Sandra Carusi. She was your original sales rep, and I've known Sandra for almost 19 years. Um, we lost her on Monday. She uh, she fought a really, really tough tough five-year battle with cancer and man she kicked its ass for five years and she was just a wonderful vivacious hilarious crude wonderful person and um you know we're gonna miss her big part of this show right you know john i I could not have said it better uh she was one of those people special people uh fountain of energy yeah and and, you know when we were looking to do the the show initially not this show but lior's show and and we were going around uh, in Toronto and and speaking with various stations. Sure. She's the one that attracted us to to course to 640, and uh, you know it's because of her that we're here. And, and you're right. I mean, for five years she was battling this thing. Yeah. And, and you know it it really brings the point home e- even when we're talking about in the context of our show of people dealing with cancer. And yeah. I can tell you, I have had in my own family, uh, we've had battles with cancer. It, it is an awful, awful illness. And, uh, you know, it's a good thing that we're, we're remembering her yeah. uh, because, I mean, sh- she left a lot of people behind uh, who really, really cared for her. And two and, small and kids as well. Two so, small kids. Yeah, and, thoughts and with them. With them and, and, and with her family. Yeah. So we'll, uh, we'll carry on in Sandra's honor. As she know, she'd say, guys, shut the hell up and do the show. So we're going to do, uh, do exactly that. We always start with the, uh, the week that was. What's going on with you? Okay, John, let's start off with uh, an email that I received, again, to one of our websites, mydisabilityquestions.com. And this one comes from an individual in Keswick. And here's what he writes. He says, my question is this, I'm with a long-term insurance company and I'm coming up to the end of my own occupation, long-term coverage. We'll talk about that in a second. And he writes, now they're asking me to talk to an assessment person who will assess me at what I can and cannot do in terms of retraining for work. My education, my experience, and now my disability uh, is is that I have a lower below knee left leg amputation. Amputee. I'm, I'm reading his email, and sure. it's, it's a bit convoluted, so mm-hmm. uh, bear with me. My right foot has large ulcers. I have had my toe removed from my right foot uh, just in July. In March, I had an operation on my left knee, again, an amputation, uh, and, and I had a prosthesis put in. I have diabetes, etc., etc. I'm going to just fast tr- uh, forward here. He says, I'm incapable of doing any work at this time, uh, and my doctors agree, but they, the insurance company, insists that I take this assessment with one of their assessment uh, doctors, mm-hmm. so that my payments are not intercepted and that my payments don't stop. Uh, he asks, should I go ahead with this assessment that they have scheduled for me? I don't know my, my, my rights, but at the same time, I don't want to have my insurance stop paying me either. Please help. Yeah, it's valid. It's very valid. And, you know, he starts off by saying that he's getting to the uh, end of his own occupation uh, period of his long-term disability. So let's break that down for a second. We've yep. been talking about this for quite a while, for a few years. What does that mean? Well, in long-term disability claims, uh, individuals who are on LTD for the first two years of of being on LTD, they have to show, they have to prove medically that they cannot do their own occupation, their own job. Uh, you know, so if you work here in the studio, John, you have to show if you're disabled that you cannot be here and doing what you're doing and right sit now. Sit behind a mic and do this. Exactly. Yeah. Beyond the two-year period, to qualify beyond that own OC 
uh, test, mm-hmm. uh, you have to show that you cannot do any occupation, meaning you can't even teach this stuff. Right. Not that you can't be you know, in front of the mic and talking, you can't actually even teach this or, or do anything with your education experience that will allow you to earn income. Now, what's happening here in this case with this individual is that he's saying that the insurance company wants him to see one of their assessors, and this is quite standard. Mm-hmm. And the answer is that yes, he has to go see the assessor that the insurance company is scheduling for him. Because, why? Because it's it's probably in his long-term disability policy. And remember, if you are on long-term disability, the relationship between you and the insurance company is governed by the LTD yep. contract, by the policy. And every policy that I have seen contains a provision that states that if they want you to be seen by one of their assessors, you have to go. But, remember, if they want you to be seen by one of their assessors, generally it's because they're trying to figure out if they should continue paying you or not. So usually that raises a red flag for me. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it. You should do it, but just be on guard. And if at any point before or after you do this assessment, the insurance adjuster tells you that they may cut you off or deny your claim or that they want you to retrain to go back to work and you are not ready, you have to give us a call or email us immediately so we can actually talk about your legal options. There is a, there is, after seeing their doctor, um, there's a generally a high probability of their saying to some degree, you know what, our doctor thinks you can do something else or go back to work yes. or, right? There's a high probability. Very right? high. And I can tell you that anecdotally, I don't have statistics, but right. I can tell you that the majority of people that I have talked to that have gone to see an assessor arranged by the insurance company, generally, remember, those assessors are being paid by the insurance company to conduct those assessments and crank out reports. Well, these assessors, these doctors or other professionals, well, they're doing that and they want to continue doing that and continue getting paid by insurance companies. I'm not questioning their ethics. I'm not questioning their qualifications. What I'm saying is that, again, anecdotally, the majority of people I have spoken to who have gone to those assessments ended up getting cut off or denied their LTD. And generally, that's despite the fact that the treating physicians, the people who are treating the individuals for their disability, disagree with the conclusions of the insurance company's assessors. That's why I say that if you are being sent to an assessment, if you are told that you're going to be cut off or potentially being cut off LTD, give us a call so we can discuss with you your legal options. I want to kind of talk a little more about that uh, after we break that number that uh, Savan talks about, one 990 Email us help at the as well. This is the and Injury Law Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. 1-888-990-9646 or help at the We'll get to the injury calculator, an amazing tool you should know about and try if just for interest sake. We'll get into more details on that in just a bit. Uh, just the week that was the first time you started, or at least the first case you were talking about, um, insurance companies sending you to see their doctor, their assessor. It can be an opinion of their doctor that you should be able to do something or possibly go back to work full time. That is in contradiction to what your medical team is. Now, your medical team may be treating you for the last year, two, three, five, ten years, and their doctor has seen you once, maybe twice. Does that even hold water? Can you just basically fight that? Absolutely. And John, by the way, sometimes the insurance doctors don't even see you. They don't even assess you. They just, they're given your medical documents uh, that the insurance company has. They are given those documents and are asked to formulate an opinion as to whether or not they think that you are ready to go back to work without even seeing you. So again, in contrast to your own treating doctors who have been treating you for a year, two years, three, whatever it is, can you fight back? 100% you can fight back. Here's what you need to do. 
you have to get a copy of whatever report is prepared by the insurance assessors. Okay, you have to get that report. If, you, if you're not able to, the insurance company is not playing uh, ball with you, give us a call. We will help you get that report. Once you have that report, scan it, read it very, very carefully with a fine-tooth comb. I guarantee you, you're, you're bound to, to, to find factual errors right. and, and things that do not make sense. You know, you told the assessor one thing and he or she wrote down something else. After you have noted all the inaccuracies and the problems with that report, give that to your own doctors. Right. Have them take a look at it. You know, John, how many times I have had individuals call me after they've been cut off LTD because of an insurance assessment. Uh, there was a psychiatrist or psychologist who assessed them for the insurance company, cranked out a report saying the person is all good, even though it's abundantly clear that this person cannot go back to work. And that report was given to the individual's own treating psychiatrist or psychologist. And I have talked to some of these psychiatrists and psychologists, and they are flabbergasted. They are, they're tearing their hair out, saying, how is it possible for some of these insurance doctors to say what they're saying when it's so abundantly clear yeah. that the individual we are treating is un, unable, not only is he unable to or she's unable to go back to work, they will self-destruct if they do. Right. And, right. you know, and incidentally, you know, in the last show, uh, James and I were talking about extra contractual damages that mm-hmm. we sometimes seek from insurance companies when we start legal claims against them. Remember, when you are buying insurance or when you have insurance through work, LTD, even house insurance, travel insurance, what are you buying? You are buying peace of mind. That's what they're selling you. Yeah. Every commercial out there on TV, on the radio, whenever they're advertising on behalf of an insurance company, Whichever insurance company, they are selling you peace of mind. Mm-hmm. We're your best friend. This is the best way for you and your family to be protected, etc. But when it comes time for you to actually seek that help, for which you've paid for, by the way, they pull the rug it's right under the... Exactly. Yeah. So very, very important for you to understand that the doctors, the people who are treating you, they are those, those weapons that we can now use against the insurance company. We need their help. We need to make sure that they are on your side because when we start that legal claim against the insurance company, we are going to direct all that firepower against the insurance company to force them to come to the table and to pay you what you are legally owed. Don't simply walk away. Don't simply curl up in the, in, you know, into a ball and cry. That, yeah. That's not going to solve anything. The insurance company is doing what it's doing because that's the model. The model is to take money and pay out as little as possible. Awesome. And what we do on a daily basis at the office is we help people fight insurance companies. And remember, if we get involved, whenever we get involved, whenever we are representing you, we are the ones dealing with the insurance company, not you. You're no longer getting letters. You're no longer getting emails from awesome. the insurance company. Anything like that, they now have to go through us, you know, through us, Absolutely. through our team. So very, very important to, to, to keep that in mind. Injury Calculator, mentioned it. Give me some details on it. That's an online tool that we created a few years ago. And, you know, it, it's really amazing how frequently I now get submissions, people who are contacting us through that. And what is it? It's, it's, a, it's a free online tool that allows you to very quickly calculate what the law says that you may be entitled to for your pain and suffering if you've been injured in an accident. Look, chances are if you broke your back, if you torn your shoulder, you got a concussion, if someone in your family, you know, died because of an accident, somebody, you know, was at fault for the accident yeah. and, and somebody now suffered, you want to know what does that mean from a, from a dollar standpoint, right? I mean, we can't bring the person back. Mm-hmm. We can't undo the injury you suffered. Right. But you want to know legally what it is that you could be expecting 
in terms of, of money for your pain and suffering. Well, chances are someone in Canada at some point suffered a similar injury. And when people bring those claims, and sometimes they go all the way to court, judges provide dollar amounts. They actually provide judgments that say, here's what this person is entitled to. And that's what this injury calculator does. It allows you to input key pieces of information about your particular injury. Let's say it was a, a broken knee. And the injury scans through cases from across the country similar to the one you're describing that happened to you. And it tells you, here's what you can expect to potentially get if you start a legal claim for your pain and suffering. Here's the range of damages. But remember, it's only for your pain and suffering. Yeah. It's which not for your be income small. loss. Which could be small. I mean, relatively speaking, compared to the rest. That's right. right. That's right. I mean, you, you can have uh, you know an ankle injury that uh, potentially is worth, and again, I, I put worth in quotes. That's just what the law says yeah. that it's worth, $30,000, $40,000. But maybe because of that, you can't earn income now. So you have an income loss claim that's worth in the hundreds of thousands of dollars right. because you've been on your feet you know, for the last 40 years working. So very important to understand that that calculator, which is free, gives you a starting point. You don't have to contact us. You just go online on this tool. Within 15, 20 seconds, you can get that amount. And, uh, you know, if at that point you want to contact us and have a more thorough consultation about your case, just click on consult. And then, you know, you get in touch with us, no problem. Otherwise, completely anonymous. You can't pay for it if you wanted to. Check it out, injurycalculator.ca. More on the way. one 990 is the contact to get a hold of Savannah and the rest of the team and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll get to some of your emails as we uh, carry on here. The Insurance and Injury Law Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Insurance and Injury Law Show, the number. Write it down if you haven't already. one 990 or help at the uh, we thought was continues. What else uh, you got on your uh, on your plate there? We had an interesting gentleman. His name is David from Ottawa, and he contacted us because uh, on May 28, 2016, so that's just over two years ago, he was in a car accident. He received a letter uh, recently uh, telling him that he would be cut off LTD as of September 27th of this year. He started the LTD back in September of 2016. Mm-hmm. So you see, John, he's yep. been on LTD now for two years, right? Coming During up. that own occupation period. And the nature of his disability is this. He has lower back pain, visual distress, stability issues, concussion symptoms. He's got a family doctor, physiotherapist, an optometrist. He even had lower back surgery earlier this year. Now, he's being cut off LTD because his long-term disability insurer thinks that there's not enough supporting Mm -hmm. medical documentation that he cannot do any job, even though he's a truck driver. So you can, you know, you would think that his ability to to sit and, and, you know, be able to see is important, but clearly the insurance company doesn't think so. And and they believe that he can actually do some kind of another job, even though his own doctors are saying that he cannot. Now, this this case uh, uh, brings up a few issues. Number one, this happened as a result of a car accident. So remember, when you have a car accident in Ontario, especially when it's not your fault or Mm -hmm. when it's partially not your fault, somebody else's uh, fault perhaps, uh, you are entitled to accident benefits from your own insurance company, your own auto insurance company. And that can be income replacement benefits if you can't work. That can be medical rehabilitation benefits. There's a whole slew of benefits you're entitled to from your own insurance company. But if someone else was responsible, at least partly for your car accident, you may have a tort claim against them, meaning you can start a legal claim, mm-hmm. lawsuit against that individual. And so right. their insurance company now comes into the picture. 
I'm not sure what happened in this case. We haven't talked to David at this point, but I can tell you that when we connect with him, we're going to ask him what is going on with that claim because there's going to be an interplay between those two insurance companies, the right. Accident Benefits Insurance Company, right? David's own insurance company, the tort insurer, whoever is the insurance company for the person who was responsible for the okay. accident, and his long-term disability insurance company. So here we have three insurance companies that, uh, that we have to deal with. And I can't tell you how many times, John, I've had people contact me because they have a lawyer that's representing them for the car accident, but that lawyer doesn't deal with long-term disability or right. vice versa. And then add to, th- add to that mix situations where the individual has issues with their work. And now they have to have a lawyer dealing exactly. And so again, you know, in our office, we have lawyers that deal with disability, with car accidents, with employment issues, and all of them are talking to each other because what is the overall goal here? The overall goal is to maximize the amount of money, compensation that our clients- And in a timely manner. It's all on one roof. Exactly. Absolutely. So, you know, very, very important to understand. Now, the last point I want to make in this case, David contacted us. Why? Because after two years- He's being cut off LTD. Yep. And this is very, very common. Oh, yeah. People who are on long-term disability are told at some point before the two-year mark that they're going to be cut off for whatever reason. Yeah. Let's say the reason is that there's no sufficient medical documents. Yeah, I've heard this record before. Tons, yeah. tons of excuses. If you are one of those people who's being cut off at the two-year mark and you haven't been cut off yet, you're told that you're going to get cut off in the next few weeks, next few months, that is anticipatory breach. The insurance company as far as we're concerned, is breaching its contract with you by telling you, we are going to be cutting you off at that point. Don't wait for that moment to pass. Don't wait for the checks to stop coming. Don't wait for the money to stop coming into your account because guess what? You're going to be left without money, Yeah. right? So we always tell people, as soon as you have an inkling, as soon as you know that the insurance company is going to cut you off and you don't have to wait for that cutoff letter, even if the adjuster tells you it's coming, Give us a call, email us. There have been instances where we have been able to intercept that, contact the insurance company, and actually avoid the cutoff. But if we can't, at least we position your case in such a way that we can move very fast and start a legal claim against the insurance company so that we minimize the amount of time that you don't have any money coming in. Very, very important. Plus, if, if you wait till you're cut off, you know what's coming next. Oh, you can appeal this. That's right. And, and we're going to talk about that. Oh, my gosh. And again. And that happens. Oh, yeah. And you're still without and money. Again. You're still without money. Right. Exactly. And, right. and again, what is the point of all this? To frustrate you. Yeah. To make you go away. Right? Again, the insurance companies are in, in – their model is very simple. Get money in, pay as little – Sure, Out, it's a business. It's anything, it's a business. It's exactly business. what it is. Yeah. And I guess the appeals after a while just frustrate people. I guess I'm done and they uh, they walk away. Two years elapses and you are stiffed. They do. They do. And what kills me is that some lawyers don't get that. Yeah. I know lawyers who are helping their clients appeal these decisions. <laughs> it's insane. It's I, I can't even understand that. Listen, I mean, whatever. The, these lawyers, I guess, it's worked for them once or twice. As far as I'm concerned... If the insurance company has taken such a drastic step as cutting this individual off, LTD, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, uh, the money that they need to survive, that their family needs to survive, I'm not going to start negotiating with them totally. on their terms. I'm going to take the fight to them. And the way we do that, we, we start a legal claim. We take it to the courts. It doesn't mean you're going to end up in court. It's not TV. No. Okay. The, in fact, the vast majority of these cases never see a courtroom. No. They don't. And they don't. Because insurance companies are not interested in taking it all the way. Remember, it costs them too much. When we start a legal claim, 
Immediately what happens is that the insurance company assigns a defense lawyer. What does that mean? It means they are starting to bleed money. Mm -hmm. They have to pay that lawyer. They have to pay that adjuster. It's a different adjuster now that's dealing with a legal claim. That means that they have to start paying money, money that otherwise they wouldn't have had to pay. They want to get, get it now off the books. Now they want to get it off the books. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We'll take a short break. It is your, uh, some of your emails as well. That is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. As always, the phone number, one 990 Insurance and Injury Law Show. Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. one 990 That is the number anytime, all the time, to get a hold of Savan or uh, the rest of his team. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca is the email address. Janice, first one up in that regard, says... What happens if a person gets heavy depression and anxiety as a result of a toxic work environment, but then it becomes worse and worse, and he or she can't go back to uh, any other job or schooling? Can the insurance company still deny by saying that it's a work issue and not an insurance issue? That's happening right now to a very dear friend of mine who's worked in an office for almost 12 years, but then a new manager was hired and has made my friend's life miserable. There was a lot of bullying behavior. My friend now goes to therapy twice a week, and his psychologist says that he is completely disabled from working, but the insurance company denied the case. Can you help him? Janice, yes, we can help him, and thank you for uh, for reaching out on behalf of your friend. This is something that is quite common, and we see it in, at the firm because obviously we have employment lawyers, and, and immediately this flagged for me the employment issue, the yep. employment angle here, which is that, you know, Janice, if your friend is, is has had all these issues at work, then there is a potential constructive dismissal claim that your friend may be able to bring against the employer because there is this, you know, poisonous work environment. Right. But, you know, turning it now towards the LTD side, again, very interesting. And look, insurance companies in the LTD context, they have a legitimate a reason for denying a claim if the reason why you can't work is is situational, if it has to do specifically with your workplace. In other yep. words, if I were to, to uh, look at you, John, and you say, listen, I can't work here at this uh, studio because somebody's bullying you, but if they were to put you in a different studio or a different a, a different radio station, you'd be able to work. Makes well, sense. It's not the insurance company's yes. uh, fault. This has to do with the employer. That's gotcha. an employment issue. Mm-hmm. But what happens in in situations, and this happens unfortunately quite frequently, where the poisonous environment has now created a situation where this individual is no longer, their their issue is no longer specific to that workplace. Now they have the psychological issues that have developed that are disabling them from working in any other context. It doesn't matter if it's in the studio or in this radio station. It's mushroomed up. Exactly. It can be anywhere else. And, you know, I've I've had this really come uh, uh, to light. In one case I had a few years back with a lady who actually called the radio and we had uh, talked with her. She was robbed at gunpoint. She was a teller at a bank. And, uh, you know, th- that was crazy, right? I mean, the insurance company was saying this had to do with that particular work environment, work mm-hmm. location where you were at. If you were to put you in a in a bank somewhere, I don't know, in a different city, you wouldn't have this issue. Mm, the problem that. is that the psychologist said, no, 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 yeah. this incident, it's not exactly the same, but this incident is now mushroomed, as you say. Now she's having these psychological issues, which are preventing her from, from doing any work, really. She's just psychologically disabled. So... Insurance companies, unfortunately, will oftentimes understand the distinction, and by insurance companies, I mean the adjusters, but they will latch on to the fact that the originating circumstance was the actual specific work environment where this happened. And what they'll say is, because of that work environment, 
because of that poisonous work environment, it's, it's an employment right. issue. Yep. Even though now the psychologists or the psychiatrists or other therapists treating the person are saying, hold on, it's yeah, no longer just- shut in at home. Exactly. Right. And in those cases, we can help those individuals. In those places, in those situations, we have successfully pressed, uh, pushed against the insurance company's claims that it's situational, brought them to the negotiating table, to the settlement table, to the settlement room, and, and resolve the claims with them. And they understand this. Insurance companies are not dumb. Adjusters are not dumb, but they have a job to do. And their job is to make the argument that you don't deserve that money, that we say you do deserve, and that you know you deserve, and that they eventually know you deserve because they pull out their checkbook and they write a check for the money that you're owed. Emily's up next. She says, I've been out of work now for almost a year, and it's been very hard for my family financially. I applied for LTD and was denied because the insurance company said that I didn't have enough medical support for my disability. I have depression and anxiety, and my psychiatrist says that I'm not ready to go back. I hired a lawyer who helped me appeal the denial two times. There you go. And last week, I was rejected again. I don't know what to do. I'm thinking of asking my psychiatrist just to write a letter for me to be able to try to go back to work, but I don't think he'll agree. What should I do? Okay, so Emily, first of all, the fact that your lawyer, we just talked about this, the fact yeah. that your lawyer tried to help you appeal this decision twice, I'm sorry, I just, I take a different view on these kinds of cases. Unless my client is really insisting that they want me to help them appeal, I, listen, if they really give me those instructions and press me on those, even though I've told them that these appeals are useless, right. I will do those, sure. But I'll warn them that they're about to waste months and months with this appeal process. And it's going to be months and months before, uh, an additional months and months right. before they get the money that they're owed. Yeah. The, the, the best course of action that, that we, we are aware of, that, that we've been able to establish over the last few years, is to start a legal claim immediately against the insurance company. Yeah, never mind denials. Forget about the denials. Forget, forget about them. Forget about the fact that the insurance company is inviting you to appeal. Every one of their letters sent to you, when they cut you off or deny, at the bottom, there's a paragraph that explains to you the appeal process and that tells you you can appeal within whatever, 30 days, 45 days, whatever it is. Do not do those. And again, we take a different view than some lawyers. We do not help our clients appeal these decisions unless the client really, really presses us uh, on, on them. Now, you're asking if, uh, telling us, uh, you emailed us, you said that you're thinking about asking your psychiatrist to just write a letter for you to be able to go back to work, but you don't think he'll agree. I hope he doesn't agree right. because, you know, your doctor has an obligation to look out for your best interest. If your doctor doesn't think that you are able to go back to work because it's going to harm you, you're effectively asking your doctor to take an action that will harm you. That is against their, their ethics. That is against everything they know. That's against logic. Yep. What, but what you are doing, Emily, is not against logic. What you are doing is you're trying to survive. And that's the reason why, again, I circle back and say that those appeals that you went through were a waste of time, and that's why you find yourself where you are now. John, I have people coming to me after they've appealed once, twice, three times. A year has gone by, and, and guess what? During that one year that they've wasted appealing those uh, den the denial uh, or cutoff, we could have resolved the claim for them sure. during that time. That's what we find. And, you know, it's frustrating for people, but at least when they come to us, you know, not all is lost and we can still help them. So, Emily, we'll connect after this show and we'll explain to you your legal options, but it's very, very important that you understand uh, that you do have options 
and I really hope that your psychiatrist does not do something that will harm you. Emily, you have the email, but I'll give you the number if you don't have already, one 990 And for you as well, you want to email, drop one uh, during the show, the remaining time we have, no problem. It is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Lots more on the way in the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. one or help at ca is the way you want to contact today and moving forward uh, to get a hold of Savannah and the rest of his team as well. So you're denied short-term disability. Is there is there a point in applying for LTD if the short-term was denied? It depends. Okay. And that's what we tell people. If you've been denied short-term disability, contact us and we'll tell you. And why do I say that it depends? Well, let's assume for a second that uh, the insurance company that denied your short-term disability is insurance company X. And let's say it's also insurance company X that is supposed to provide you long-term disability. Well, it stands to reason that if they denied you short-term disability, they'll also deny you long-term disability. So we don't wait. We simply start a legal claim against a company for short-term as well as long-term disability benefits. But what happens if you've been denied short-term disability by company X, but then there is company Y that's responsible for your long-term disability. Mm -hmm. In those instances, I'll tell you, you should apply for long-term disability with insurance company Y. And and if you don't do that, then you run the risk of the insurance company, insurance company Y, coming back and saying, well, why are you starting a legal claim against us? We never even had the opportunity to, to, to look at all the documents and give you an answer, a preliminary answer as to whether or not you will qualify for LTD. And, and, you know, we've had the situations where a person who was denied short-term disability by company X and then applied for long-term disability with company Y was approved for LTD. And then we turned around to company X and said, see, the LTD insurer, company Y, approved this person. You, company X, should pay them STD benefits. Wow. And they have. So, you know, again, if you've been denied any any of these benefits, whether it's short-term disability or long-term, instead of trying to figure out the permutations here, just give us a call or email us, get in touch with us. Yeah. We will give you the answer within minutes. It's going to cost you absolutely nothing to get this information. Quick email from Dan says, a good friend of mine had an accident last February and broke his uh, right arm in three places. The accident wasn't his fault, but he is a roofer, so he's out of work now big time. And it's it's the busy season. The accident happened when he was hit by a car making a turn, and my buddy was on his bike. What should he do legally? Well, so this is, again, unfortunately, something that we see quite often with uh, cyclists or pedestrians who are injured because of a it's car hitting them. It's getting, it's getting worse, worse, exactly. Man. Especially in you know the summer season, it gets pretty bad. Uh, so Dan, really what your friend, uh, should have done and still can do is apply for accident benefits. Remember, if you are injured in Ontario as a result of a collision with a car, whether you are yourself in a car or whether it's a single car collision, Mm -hmm. or if you're a cyclist or a pedestrian, if a car is involved in the accident, you are entitled to accident benefits. They're also called no fault benefits. I say that because what happens if you're the driver of a vehicle and your car just went into a ditch, there's no one at fault but yourself, you're still entitled to those benefits from your insurance company. But you know, John, what happens if you're a cyclist or you're a pedestrian and you don't have auto insurance? A lot of of them don't. That's why they have a bike. That's right. So who pays for those accident benefits? When in those situations, the insurance company for the person who hit you or the insurance company of whoever owns the vehicle that struck you they are going to pay for your accident okay. benefits. And one of those accident benefits, 
Very important to understand, those include income replacement benefits up to $400 a week if you can't work, sometimes even more. If you pay more. If you pay more, if there are optional benefits that have been purchased. Uh, medical rehabilitation benefits, there could be attendant care, there could be a whole slew of benefits you're entitled to. But as importantly, if not more importantly, especially in a case like here with Dan's friend where you have a significant injury, three fractures to his arm, uh, he would have a pretty uh, substantial tort claim, mm-hmm. a legal claim against the driver. And that means that the insurance company of that driver, of that vehicle that struck him, would be on the hook for potentially a lot of money. And that includes pain and suffering. And again, you can calculate that really quickly through the injury calculator yep. device that we had uh, talked about. Uh, perhaps income losses into the future if the person cannot work or has difficulty working and earning income. Or people taking care of them. People taking care of them, exactly. People, you know, forget this. Then, uh, you know, the law in Ontario and in many other provinces in the country is such that if you're injured and uh, you you bring a legal claim for your injuries, for pain and suffering, mm-hmm. for income losses and all that, your family members are also entitled to bring derivative claims. In other words, if I was injured, my wife would be able to bring a claim as well, you know, for the... Uh, like attendant pain, care almost, Attendant right? care, yep. pain and suffering yep. that she's suffering because I'm not now the same person. There's a variety of types of compensation that she's entitled to. My kids would be entitled to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, various family members. And, and that's that's rooted in legislation in the Family Law Act, uh, Section 61. So very important to understand that you would have, Dan's friend would have these two types of claims he can bring and ought to have brought back in February if their injury was in fact this severe. Accident benefits claim, and a tort claim against the person who caused the injury. Now, it does sound a little weird before we break, but if you're the cyclist that gets hit, and you are like you or I or a lot of people, again, mm-hmm. also drive a car, if you're hit, your insurance company, your car insurance will cover your benefits That's even though right. you weren't driving your car. That's correct. That's statutory, exactly. There's wow. a priority in terms of which insurance company pays. But again, remember, it's not your job when you're injured to try and figure all this out. Sure. That's what we tell you. Make sure you give us a call. We'll tell you what you need to do. Uh, but yeah, your own insurance company will pay. And if you don't have insurance, then it'll be the insurance company of the vehicle that struck you. one 990 or help at a Few more minutes to go. We'll take a quick break and get right back at it. The Insurance and Injury Law Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. one 990 is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll see if we get to another email before we... Uh, Wrap here for the uh, for the weekend. So, person's denied LTD and is told that uh, he or she only have thirty days to appeal. The old A word. Uh, how important is that deadline? Oh boy! If I had a nickel for every time somebody <laughs> asked me when they right? call me up with this question, here's the answer: that deadline that the insurance company gives you to appeal an LTD denial or cutoff right. is as important as the deadline I give my kids to be in bed by eight o'clock yeah, every night. About it. Throw it out. <laughs> it means absolutely nothing. <laughs> Uh, I wish, I really wish it meant more for my kids, not for insurance companies. You don't have to worry about it. Here is the date that you have to worry about. It's the two-year limitation period. So what does that mean? It means that if you were denied LTD on January 31st, 2018, you have until January 31st, 2020 to start a legal claim. You have two years. I'm not saying you wait those two years. In fact... Oftentimes, you will be told you're going to be cut off. You haven't been cut off yet. Yeah. You know, with injury claims, you know that the injury occurred because it's in the past. With LTD situations, if you've been receiving long-term disability and you're going to be cut off, you're going to be told most times in advance or you're going to be cut off in a week, in a month, in six months. 
Don't wait until that time. But the point is that you have two years, just don't wait those two years, but you have two years from the date of denial or the date of the cutoff, not the date of the rejection of your appeal, the date of the cutoff to start a legal claim. That's that's an important point. Once the appeals start running, the clock does not reset when you send an appeal in. It does not reset. You know, you can make arguments. There have been many cases where lawyers have tried to make those arguments. You do not want to be making that argument. Yeah. You want to, we, when we start a legal claim against an insurance company, we want to argue, we want to litigate the merits of the case. Yeah. I, I want to rely on my doctors for the fact that my, my client is unable to work. I don't want to have to start dealing with the legalistic arguments as to whether or not my client has now uh, started a claim beyond the two-year limitation yeah. period. Because you know what? My client can get shut out if that happens. And too many lawyers wait until that last minute. And oftentimes, not oftentimes, sometimes they end up missing that deadline. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's unfortunate because then the individual is out of luck in terms of making that claim against the insurance company. Let's get to one more email from uh, Christina. It's up, says, I'm 48 and have worked as a nurse for over 20 years. I have MS, can't work. I've applied for LTD and was denied last week. I'm unionized. Can I have you help me or do I have to go to my union? You know, we have we have quite a few nurses, Christina, that we help with LTD claims. I don't know what it is about nursing, but, uh, you know, my mother was a nurse. Yeah. Uh, it's a very, very tough job. And, uh, you know, the, the answer, Christina, is that we help unionized employees all the time with their long-term disability claims. Uh, what we do is we ask to see the collective agreement and we scan the collective agreement for any provisions that deal with long-term disability. Essentially, if the collective agreement deals substantially with the LTD component mm-hmm. uh, of the relationship with, with the employer, the insurance company, then generally we tell the individual that their union has to help them. But I'll tell you, John, the vast majority of these kinds of cases, even if there is mention of LTD in the collective agreement, we still act on behalf of the employee. In fact, insurance companies, I can tell you, have told me, adjusters have told me, they would rather deal with us with LTD lawyers as opposed to with unions because unions and union lawyers are not knowledgeable or equipped to deal with LTD claims. So, Christina, to answer your question, we we probably will be able to help you. I would want to see the collective agreement along with, you know, the denial letter and and the medical documents supporting your disability. But, I mean, you have MS. So, you know, certainly you have a serious illness the question is, legally, can we act for you? And I can tell you that we act for quite a few nurses in our practice. MyDisabilityQuestions.com. Give me some details on that as we wind We, we start almost every show with questions people post to that right. website. And right. I get questions from across the country posted to that website. It's a free website. Uh, and, you know, people who sometimes they're injured and, and they have questions about their disability claims or injury claims. Sometimes they're dealing with long-term disability insurance company, mm-hmm. short-term disability. They post their questions and within minutes, I answer those questions for free. And then people can decide what they want to do. But the key thing here is it's free. You don't have to call us. You don't have to email us or, or do anything of the sort. But you have this forum and and by the way, chances are someone has already Someone's asked, asked it. Yeah. the question that you have. So you can actually scan the questions and the answers. But if you just want to post your question, you don't want to have to you know to spend time browsing the questions and answers. Post your question. I will answer. I will answer it. Not someone in India or somewhere else. I will be answering <laughs> that question at all times of day. And at least yeah. you'll know what your legal options are. Last one you have, I know, is fightformyltd.com too. This That's one's right. Cool. That's yeah. right. That's also one that we've, again, the premise here is that most people, a lot of people don't want to get in touch with the lawyer initially. They just want to have an idea as to whether they have a case. So fightformyltd.com uh, was built 
to essentially allow people to do that. There are five questions on there. Answer those five questions about your specific case. It'll take you literally 20 seconds. I get that submission and I tell you if you have a case or not, or if I think that we need to discuss your case further, cost you nothing. It's absolutely free. Done for another show. I'll give you the email one more time. If you didn't get your email uh, read on the show today, you can still send it to uh, Savan. He'll uh, answer it himself, pass it on to a member of his team as well. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We mentioned it, place to go to find out what your pain and suffering of a component of a claim should be, could be. It's an easy calculation called injurycalculator.ca. There's no commitment at all. It can be completely anonymous. Takes about 30 seconds to go through that. And as always, the phone number, toll free. As always, one 990 Till next time, the Insurance and Injury Law Show. Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.